This time, then once more, I think, then perhaps a last time, then I think it'll be over, with that world too. Premonition of the last but one. But one. All grows dim. A little more and you'll go blind. It's in the head. It doesn't work anymore, it says. I don't work anymore. You go dumb as well and sounds fade. The threshold scarcely crossed, that's how it is. It's the head. It must have had enough. So that you say, I'll manage this time, then perhaps once more, then perhaps a last time, then nothing more. You are hard set to formulate this thought, for it is one, in a sense, then you try to pay attention, to consider with attention all those dim things, saying to yourself laboriously, it's my fault. Fault? That was the word. But what fault? It's not goodbye, and what magic in those dim things to which it will be time enough when next they pass to say goodbye, for you must say goodbye. It would be madness not to say goodbye when the time comes. If you think of the forms and light of other days, it is without regret. But you seldom think of them. With what would you think of them? I don't know. People pass too, hard to distinguish from yourself. That is discouraging. So I saw A and C going slowly towards each other, unconscious of what they were doing. It was on a road remarkably bare, I mean without hedges or ditches or any kind of edge in the country, for cows were chewing in enormous fields, lying and standing in the evening silence. Perhaps I'm inventing a little, perhaps embellishing, but on the whole that's the way it was. They chew, Swallow, then, after a short pause, effortlessly bring up the next mouthful. A neck muscle stirs, and the jaws begin to grind again. But perhaps I'm remembering things. The road, hard and white, seared the tender pastures, rose and fell at the whim of hills and hollows. The town was not far. It was two men, unmistakably, one small, and one tall. They had left the town, first one, then the other, and then the first, weary or remembering a duty, had retraced his steps. The air was sharp, for they wore great coats. They looked alike, but no more than others do. At first a wide space lay between them. They couldn't have seen each other, even had they raised their heads and looked about because of this wide space and then because of the undulating land which caused the road to be in waves, not high, but high enough, high enough. But the moment came when together they went down into the same trough, and in this trough finally met. To say they knew each other, no, nothing warrants it. But perhaps at the sound of their steps, or warned by some obscure instinct, they raised their heads and observed each other for a good fifteen paces before they stopped, breast to breast. 
Yes, they did not pass each other by, but halted face to face, as in the country, of an evening, on a deserted road, two wayfaring strangers will, without there being anything extraordinary about it. But they knew each other, perhaps. Now, in any case, they do. Now, I think, they will know each other, greet each other, even in the depths of the town. They turned towards the sea, which, far in the east, beyond the fields, loomed high in the waning sky, and exchanged a few words. Then each went on his way. Each went on his way, A, back towards the town, C, on by ways he seemed hardly to know, or not at all, for he went with uncertain step, and often stopped to look about him, like someone trying to fix landmarks in his mind, for one day, perhaps, he may have to retrace his steps, you never know. The treacherous hills, where fearfully he ventured, were no doubt only known to him from afar, seen perhaps from his bedroom window or from the summit of a monument which, one black day, having nothing in particular to do, and turning to height for solace, he had paid his few coppers to climb slower and slower up the winding stones. From there he must have seen it all, the plain the sea, and then these selfsame hills that some call mountains, indigo in places in the evening light, their serried ranges crowding to the skyline, cloven with hidden valleys that the eye divines from sudden shifts of colour and then from other signs for which there are no words, nor even thoughts. But all are not divined, even from that height, and often where only one escarpment is discerned and one crest, in reality there are two, two escarpments, two crests riven by a valley. But now he knows these hills, that is to say, he knows them better, and if ever again he sees them from afar, it will be, I think, with other eyes. And not only that, but the within, all that inner space one never sees, the brain and heart and other caverns where thought and feeling dance their Sabbath, all that too quite differently disposed. He looks old and it is a sorry sight to see him solitary after so many years, so many days and nights, unthinkingly given to that rumour rising at birth and even earlier. What shall I do? What shall I do? Now low, a murmur, now precise as the head-waiters, and to follow? and often rising to a scream. And in the end, or almost to be abroad alone by unknown ways in the gathering night with a stick. It was a stout stick. He used it to thrust himself onward, or as a defence when the time came against dogs and marauders. Yes, night was gathering. But the man was innocent, greatly innocent. He had nothing to fear, though he went in fear. He had nothing to fear. There was nothing they could do to him, or very little. But he can't have known it. I wouldn't know it myself if I thought about it. Yes, he saw himself threatened, his body threatened, 
his reason threatened, and perhaps he was. Perhaps they were, in spite of his innocence. What business has innocence here? What relation to the innumerable spirits of darkness? It's not clear. It seemed to me he wore a cocked hat. I remember being struck by it, as I wouldn't have been, for example, by a cap or by a bowler. I watched him recede, overtaken myself by his anxiety, at least by an anxiety which was not necessarily his, but of which, as it were, he partook. Who knows if it wasn't my own anxiety overtaking him? He hadn't seen me. I was perched higher than the road's highest point, and flattened, what is more, against a rock the same colour as myself. That is, grey. The rock he probably saw. He gazed around as if to engrave the landmarks on his memory, and must have seen the rock in the shadow of which I crouched like Bellacqua or Sordello. I forget. But a man, a fortiori myself, isn't exactly a landmark, because, I mean, if by some strange chance he were to pass that way again, after a long lapse of time, vanquished, or to look for some lost thing, or to destroy something, his eyes would search out the rock, not the haphazard in its shadow of that unstable, fugitive thing, still living flesh. No. He certainly didn't see me, for the reasons I've given, and then because he was in no humour for that, that evening, no humour for the living, but rather for all that doesn't stir, or stirs so slowly that a child would scorn it, let alone an old man. However that may be.